Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. I've got an important message for you this morning that I think can help you in the workplace, and I trust you'll be receptive. Researchers were researching the Second World War, and they say in their research, they discovered that one of the key drivers of the German Luftwaffe pilots was envy. The pilots so envied that the the air aces, the ones who, who shot down lots of planes, that they actually did things they shouldn't have done, and so they increased the death rate amongst pilots by 50%, all driven by envy of other air aces. They then discovered as well that the officers played a role in it, and the officers riled up the pilots by declaring and praising the air aces so that the others felt intimidated. As a result, death rate went up. Envy is a dangerous thing. And, and I want to ask you this morning, who's riling you up and getting you to do desperate things? And you're looking and you're envying, and now you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Envy is a real problem in our world. To the point where people today are using the app called Chrome. Chrome lets you take a picture and then put another place behind it to keep up with those who are in other places. You can't go on holiday, but I'll show you. I'm just as good as you. And so we're being driven by envy. And a lot of us don't know the difference between jealousy and envy. And we don't even acknowledge that envy exists in our lives. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is envy. Deuteronomy chapter 5, the last commandment. The, the, the commandments talk about us honoring God and loving God and having no idols and then loving our neighbor, not coveting our neighbor's goods and, and not uh, 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 um, committing adultery. Thou shalt not steal. But we forget the last one. You mustn't envy your neighbor's goods. Why? Because it, it's one thing having an issue with God, an issue with others. You've got an issue with yourself when you struggle with envy. And envy can cause you to be bitter, to be angry. But a lot of people don't know the difference between jealousy and envy. Here's the difference. God is often jealous. He's a jealous God. You know, and I was reading in this interesting book by Jerry Bridges. It's called Respectable Sins. How's that for a good title? He says jealousy is, is intolerance of rivalry. That's a positive thing. I don't take it lightly if some guy starts hitting on my wife. In fact, some people do on Instagram. They say, hi, sexy. Hi, hi we'd like to get to know you. Really? You're going to have to deal with me. So God's a jealous God. He doesn't want other affections. He doesn't want us to have our hearts in other places. But envy, you'll find God is always jealous, but never envious. And envy can eat at you and destroy you. And you know what? Envy is making a lot of South Africans unhappy. So I want to speak to you, and this is what I'm entitled the message, how not to resent the success of others. How not to resent the success of others. Envy occurs when we're resentful of an advantage someone else has. Hear me today. We thought that when democracy came, there would be, no one would have an advantage over us. Let me tell you the truth. There will always be people ahead of you, richer than you, nicer than you, will have more money than you, a nicer girlfriend or boyfriend than you. So we've got to deal with envy. It can't be solved by laws. It de- something that happens in here and will happen to every single person, no matter what race or what country they live in, no matter what status they are, envy is a sin that needs to be dealt with. 
And I want to ask you today, are you resentful of the success of others? Because I'm noticing people are resentful of others' success, then they clothe it in political language. No, we need to clothe it in fleshly language and call it what it was, call it what it is. You see, this started right in the beginning with Cain and Abel. Abel was a threat to Cain. Why? Because God accepted him and saw him as more successful. And so Cain, what happened to Cain? He didn't say, oh, oh, well, let me try harder. He became bitter, angry, and he murdered his brother. When Moses was leading the children of Israel out, his own brother and sister became envious of him. Why is it that you get to do this? Then Korah rose up with 250 leaders, and envy nearly split the whole nation. God had to judge them. But then we come to King Saul and David. Saul was anointed, but envy ate him up. And I want us to read a key text this morning. Then I'll look at four facts about envy, and then I'll give you some things on how to overcome it. So let's look at this scripture here, and you'll see the consequences. I believe we're experiencing this in South Africa. 1 Samuel 18 here, it says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, obviously speaking of Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. Notice they came to meet King Saul. And they were singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David's his tens of thousands. Saul was so happy about this that he clapped. No, he wasn't. Saul, the Bible says, was very angry. And this refrain displeased him greatly. You couldn't tell on his face, but something was happening inside. How many of you have been to company functions and someone gets an award and you all, <laughs> meanwhile, inside you're like, come on now, it's the world we're living in. And it says here, they have, he, he said this, this, they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The Hebrew implies an envious eye. Now watch, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. That's what they used to believe. Everything came from God. But can you see the next day he started to really get gripped by this thing? Now, here's the weird thing. He was prophesying in his house. This stuff happens in church. Hallelujah. Why have they got that BMW? Come on now. It says, while David was playing the lyres, you usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand. And he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Now we don't have spears anymore, but we got emails. Just wanted to mention that I thought it unfair that XYZ anger, bitterness, almost like an evil spirit came upon him. And from that time on, he had became murderous, but with the same breath was prophesying. Let's not be people at rivers who go down this road. And we can say, oh, it's in the name of human rights and it's in the name of equality. But actually what it is, it's envy. And envy you can never get rid of. You can never legislate it. It needs to be dealt with in the heart. So let me explain to you what envy looks like. Four, four facts about envy in the time we've got today. Number one, we don't often recognize envy in ourselves. In fact, let me ask you, when last did you hear a sermon on envy? Very seldom. It's almost something we don't acknowledge. But envy is recognizable in your life, let me tell you how, by a restless unhappiness and depression that manifests itself most in public meetings, conferences, events, business events, and sometimes even a church. When you see that person's shoes or bag 
or car or award or figures on the screen. <laughs> and we have to recognize it and deal with it. Because you see, the thing is, if you look at the Ten Commandments, all the commandments deal with God and others except for envy. Envy eats at you. And so we think it's not important. I love what it says here in Proverbs 14. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's a, it'll get to the depths of you and destroy you from the inside out. The second fact about envy, it can be our sole motivation for success. No, we should want to improve our lives for the glory of God. We should improve our lives to help people, but envy shouldn't be the reason why we're succeeding. But look what Solomon in his wisdom discovered. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 4. And I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You say, well, that's what happens in business, pastor. No, it even happens in the church. Because the apostle Paul noticed that some people in ministry wanted to be on the platform out of envy of others. Why was Claudio leading the meeting? Is it because he's white? Is it because he's young? Is it because he's thin? Whatever. No, we go down these roads. No, no, Claudia's on the platform because he's been tested and proved himself to be faithful. Now the Apostle Paul says it like this, Philippians 1.15. Is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry? I also want a big church. I also want lots of lights. But others out of goodwill. You see, it's dangerous to harbor this attitude because it'll color everything you do. In business, in the church, all your motivation will be wrong instead of being for the glory of God and helping people. We never set out to grow a big church so we would be known. We set out to help people. As a result of helping people, more people came because they were helped. I never set out to be a famous author. I just wrote books so that the messages I preached would live on and people would be helped. And eventually it's one, two, three. Now I've written 12 major books and about six booklets. You end up writing not out of a, oh, oh, wait till they see. No, wrong motive. And guess what? You'll never be good enough so it'll always eat at you. Number three, this is important. It's a result of the flesh, not the spirit. Envy can be justified in the name of inequality, but we've got to be very careful. It's a, it's a thing of the flesh. Let's never dress the flesh in political clothes. Come on now. It's very quiet in this Methodist church on both campuses. I can hear the crickets in Santon. Are you being helped today? Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, I love this, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You be careful you don't get out of step with God. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You know how you get out of step with the Spirit? I remember at school, we used to march in cadets. And when you marched in cadets, fortunately I never went to the army, I hid in the toilet when they came. Because I didn't want to go to the border and fight a cause that I didn't believe in. So anyway, some of my friends went for two years, shame. Thank you, Jesus, that you set me free. Anyway, we used to do cadets. For three years, I did cadets. I did rifles. I did shooting and all that. So what we do is you march left, right, left, right. But guess what? If you got distracted, you were watching someone else. What we do is we get out of step with God because we're too busy watching others' success. Then we become conceited. We become provoked, and it's flesh. 
And people quote this in language so that it sounds wise. It's all in the name of human rights. No, it's not. It's a sin. Let me explain it to you like this. James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now watch. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Demonic, just to have an opinion or to speak a certain way? Yes, because if you think and speak a certain way, it'll destroy you from the inside out. And that's demonic. That's Satan's goal. So let's recognize it's a result of the, of the flesh, not of the spirit. And you can be prophesying one minute and in the flesh the next. It's God our hearts. Number four, are you still with me? Envy rules when I have too little and others have too much. How many of you know this is going to be a reality all your life? There's always a bigger church than Rivers. There's always someone whose business is more successful than you. There's always a family member who's doing better than you. You better get used to it. And what happens to us is we don't mind people succeeding, but when they succeed just that bit too much. Remember the two brothers in Luke 15? The younger one said, Father, give me my inheritance. And he took it and he left. The older brother didn't mind that because it was, he kept his share and he got his share. When he got really cross, it was when he came back and the father forgave him and gave him more. Now listen, now that's going too far. That's unfair. And you let envy rule you when you think someone's getting and then they're getting more. And that's life. Because the generosity of God pours out on us, the undeserving. We need to understand that. Isn't that true? Moses was resented. So was the tribe of Levi. Why? Because they had more than what they should have had. They were honored. God honored Moses. The tribe of Levi was selected by him to worship in the tabernacle and serve in the tabernacle. And people were, we're all the same here. Come on now. We let envy rule when we think there ought to be equality. And envy always wants equality, but that's not how God works. Come on. God works differently to us. Notice here, Korah, one of the leaders, rose up against Moses. I want to read the language to you because I want you to see what envy says, how it speaks so that you don't speak like this. Number 16. It says, Korah, son of Itzer, son of Kohath, son of Levi, that's in case you confuse him with someone else, and certain Reubenites... Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders. These weren't fools, who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. You see, here's their point. The whole Israelite community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? They felt they had too much, too much power, too much respect, too much authority, too much anointing, and they try to make it political. Let's just equalize everybody. And God says, no, that's not our work. I'll select a Moses and put him forward and I'll pull a Joseph back and keep him back three years. But then suddenly I'll fast track him. So stop interfering and trying to make the ground level. Just leave it to me. Stay in step with me. Hmm? See, we thought under apartheid that South Africa was an unequal society. But now that it's gone, we're still complaining about inequality. And we're doing it in the name of caring about the poor. 
No, we're dealing with envy. And if we can get rid of envy, we can all prosper and all be happy. South Africa is one of the most miserable countries in the world. And it's one of the most beautiful because we're sitting with issues. Let's get past them. Envy will rule when others have got more than you've got. Hmm? Why do you have this? And can I just remind you, when you have envy ruling in your life, you are emotionally and mentally weak. I read a very good book. I can't tell you too much, but I'll read just a small quote from it. It's called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. It's by a psycho psychotherapist called Amy Morin. Now, she's not a Christian, but she makes some very good points in the book about what she's seeing around her. Let me read you an excerpt. She says, I've seen families destroyed by envy. Families, when one member becomes more successful than the rest. Same family, same race group, everything. See, envy doesn't exist across the races. It exists amongst all of us. Very important for us to understand that. Today, today's world makes it hard not to resent other people's success. Spend two minutes on social media and you'll see how well everyone else seems to be doing. Vacation photos from friends can remind you that they have more freedom than you do. Pictures of a co-worker's new home can provide tangible proof that he or she earns more than you do. So you don't have to talk about salaries, but I can, <laughs> yeah, I can't afford that toaster. Check that there. Yeah, got smeg. I just got the one from at home. There's smeg. Tell you what, eh? I'm not saying anything, eh, but I'm, He'll eat you up. She goes on to say her. She says, the number of likes a friend receives on their posts may cause you to feel like she's more popular than you are. And researchers have found that envying your friends on Facebook actually leads to depression. To depression. Resenting people's success robs you of mental strength as well. She goes on to give a whole list of things which we don't have time for. But I don't want us to be mentally weak, emotionally messed up, angry and then calling it you yeah, that's that's the right thing no 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 we need to live as the kingdom and we need to trust God so let me give you ways on overcoming this issue number one are you ready we have to admit our own issues you see if you don't admit that you've got an envy issue you'll never be able to deal with it what you don't admit you can't overcome hmm? you can't get over what you don't identify Remember Jesus went across the lake to a man that was possessed by many demons? And when he arrived, he spoke to the man and he asked him a question. It wasn't out of curiosity. He said to him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Then Jesus drove the demon out. Jesus didn't need to know. He knew. He wanted the man to say what his issue was. Because when you identify your issues, then Jesus can free you. But if you keep saying, no, no, Lord, no, no, it's politics. No, Lord, it's the right thing. No, Lord, it's inequality. No, Lord, it's unfair. You keep calling it something else, you'll never get free of it, and it'll rule your life. But if you admit it, you can get the breakthrough. Am I making sense? Aeschylus said this, and I think it's true of all of us. He said, it is in the character of very few men to honor without envy a friend who has prospered. Few of us are free of this thing. We keep having to have visit it and get free from it and call it what it is. And we must learn how to celebrate the successes of others. Number two, this is important. Resist the spirit of competition. See, we'll say competition's healthy. No, it's not. Choice is healthy, not competition. That's why you need a whole lot of clothing stores next to each other in the same mall. 
They're not competing with each other. They're giving you choice. Because if you're looking for clothes and you don't find what you want at Zara, you can go to H&M. If you don't find it there, you can go to Woolworths. If you don't find it there, you can go to Country Road. If you don't find it there, you can go to Guess. If you've got a lot of money, you can go to Mark Jacobs. But it's choice instead of them all looking at each other. They collaborate to provide choice. Now, how do you view competition? Do you view your coworkers as competition or do you believe it's choice? Come on now. See, competition is what's happening in our country. That's why we, it's breeding cheating and lying. And Can I just remind you that ancient Israel had no sport as part of its national life? Because sport breeds competition. It was the Greeks who brought competition into Israel in 2 BC because their competition is tied to their religion. The Olympics were in honor of Zeus and the Isthmian Games were in honor of Poseidon. Their religion was tied to competition. Ours isn't. Ours is tied to serving people and honoring God. So five things competition causes. Number one, competition causes conflict. That's why there's so much conflict in the workplace. Relationships are strained. There's friction. Everyone is a threat to us. Can I remind you that that's how Satan got kicked out of heaven? He competed with God for the ultimate position. And as a result was driven out of heaven. We should not be competing with other Christians. Can you say amen? It'll cause conflict. It'll ruin good friendships. You're not competing with your family. My sister's younger than me and they already bought their own house and you must see their carts better than ours. And you go and you nag your husband. What's the matter with you? My sister, you know, she's like six years younger than me. But we're all serving Jesus like Saul and prophesying. Come on now. Let's, let's not make that the measure of our lives. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. Don't just sing it at the beginning of the meeting and get all sentimental. I am who you say I am. I am. Then you forget in the real world. Now you need to remember when they bought another car, I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Because the news, political leaders are just waiting for that emotion so they can stoke it. Yeah, you see, you haven't got enough. We're going to give it to you. Trust us. Vote for us. It's lies. God is our supply. And we've got to take our eyes off other people as they'll wreck all our relationships. T.D. Jake said this. He said, we can't curse the light in our neighbor's window without putting out the light in our own window. It destroys you on the inside. Number two, competition causes condemnation. Because you always feel condemned because you're not good enough. Hmm? Look how well their business is doing. That means ours is going to go out of business. No, it's not. No, 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 don't, 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 don't let it cause condemnation. The, the world wants to make you a victim. You say, I'm not being a victim. I will not be a victim. God is on my side. I won't be condemned. I won't allow these feelings of inferiority to come over me. God knows. God is on my side. God wants to do me good. Goodness and mercy will follow me. Hmm? Number three, competition causes compromise. You start to take shortcuts. South Africa is becoming a country where we compromise. Why? Because we're competing with each other for money. So we cheat, we lie, we take bribes, we lose our values. Why? Because it looks like everyone else is better off than me and I deserve to be better off. So envy rules. I'm making sense. 
You can say amen or you can just keep dead quiet. As long as you don't Instagram or tweet and get nasty. Because I don't want to be sensitive. I want to be clear. I mean, you know, never do I get up here and want to hurt you. I get up here and I want to be clear. Why? For your help and God's glory. Hmm? Competition will cause you to compromise and take shortcuts because the end goal is about keeping up rather than honoring God. Number four, competition causes criticism. You'll end up attacking those ahead of you. Any success they achieve, you'll find fault with. I mean, it's not a godly spirit. Hmm? Yeah, she's, how old is she? 28. How long have I been here? I've been here 20 years. I know what's, I'm not saying anything, but I know what's going on there. How many of you know you haven't said anything, but you've said a lot? Why? Because you're feeling condemned and you're resenting the success of others. Can I tell you in the world you're living in, listen to me, I'm 65 years old. Listen to me. A lot of young people are going to come in and do better than you. That's the world we're living in. And I'm cheering them on in our church because they've learned from me and they've learned in the modern world. They're standing on our shoulders. Cheer them on. Don't go, yeah, no, yeah, they bring these youngsters in and we no good anymore. You talk yourself down. You talk yourself into depression. Your joints are going to start aching. You're going to have heart trouble. You're going to start getting a rash. No, listen to me. And all the while you're looking for healing. You need to get rid of envy. And can I say, when another church puts up a building and they copy Rivers Church, don't attack them because they used our architect and our design and they built a bigger building than ours and they're filling it. We don't criticize them because we're not in competition. They're providing choice. Thomas Brooks put it like this, and I want to challenge you as a Christian. Man of God. He said, discord and division become no Christians. For wolves to worry the lambs is no wonder. But for one lamb to worry another, this is unnatural and monstrous. Love your brothers. Don't compete with them. Cheer them on. When you go in the car park and you see someone's achieved something, or you notice they've got a good pair of shoes on or whatever it is, or a nice ring. Did you get in game? My gosh, that looks, praise God. I'm not done yet. Competition causes comparisons. Oh, envy always makes unfair and unreasonable comparisons. You see, you're not, in comp you're not in competition with anyone. You're in competition with yourself to be a better you than you were yesterday or last year. So you have to keep competing with yourself instead of competing with other people. I know how this feels, church. We used to travel to Hillsong some 20, 25 years ago, is it now? And I remember when I used to go there, I used to come back thinking, just get a job, Andre. Because their sound, their lighting, their people, their everything was better than us. We had these silly little discotheque lights. That's all we could afford. In a little building, they'd do little things on the ground. And people would, would write, and those days they still wrote me letters. Can we get rid of the disco? We were saved out of the disco. And I had to teach the, the church that lights are not of the devil because God put lots of them in the sky. Clearly, he likes lights. And our sound sounded like someone was singing through a tube, you know. The name of Jesus. They had these LED screens and things that moved. And, but where are we today? You see, you just have to press on. 
Don't make unfair comparisons. Are you with me? It's so important. I was watching the uh, Paralympics, and I don't often get to watch it. I don't always enjoy that kind of thing. But what I did notice in the Paralympics is the people who compete are not equal. Notice in this picture with me this morning, you'll see the one guy has got these metal feet, and the others, one of them's got a leg. Now he's winning. This guy here, number 2845, he could say he won because he had metal legs. But if Mr. 2845 won, the guy with metal legs say it's not fair, he's got a real leg. You see, now we're all enabled and disabled in different ways. And you don't compete, you have fun together. Don't let there be unfair comparisons. I love what Psalm 145 says. It says, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all his creation. Trust God for your share of favor and work at it and believe for your future. Number four, are you still with me? The fourth thing, and this is the fourth way to overcome heavy. Never pull down the achievements of others. God doesn't pull down the achievements of others. He celebrates the achievements of all. You'll remember the story of the parable of the talents. Some Bibles call it the parable of the coins because it refers to money. One man got 5,000. One translation says another got 2,000. And when they came back, the one with 5,000 came back. I want you to notice, I'm going to read this from Matthew 25 in the English Standard Version. It says, the servant who had been given 5,000 coins brought them in with the 5,000 that he had earned. And he said, sir, you gave me 5,000 coins and what I earned 5,000 more. Wonderful, his master replied. You're a good and faithful servant. He goes on to say, I left you in charge of only a little, but now I will put you in charge of much more. Now, how many of you know there was also a man who had 2,000? And the Bible goes on to say here, uh, uh, he he comes in next. Next, the servant who had been given 2,000 coins came in and said, sir, you gave me 2,000 coins and I've earned 2,000 more. He didn't say, oh, I just had a guy with 5,000. What did he say? He says exactly the same. Wonderful, his master replied. You're a good and faithful servant. Can you see they both received the exact same commendation? So if God commends both, even the very successful and the lesser successful, who are we to bring some low down measure and try and pull them down? Yeah, I know we only got 2,000, but you got 5,000. God says everyone who works and develops their life is to be celebrated. And don't try and pull people back. Number five, don't think others' success is hurting you. It's so easy to think you're losing because someone else is succeeding. Isn't that the truth? People feel because another company is doing well, they're not doing well. No, no, there's room for everybody. If a church opens in Kailami and it's filled with people, the other churches continue in the area. We didn't empty them to plant rivers. We all work alongside each other for choice. So don't let that spirit of competition eat at you because it even exists in churches. You know, John the Baptist's church was growing in the first couple of months, but he experienced competition. I mean, it's very difficult to compete when Jesus is on the scene. Our church is amazing. Our pastor is amazing. You should see our lights. (laughs) Our church has got Jesus. And that's what it says here because you can think, and Jesus didn't engage in this. I I want to show you this today. I want you as a person in business not to do this. You understand here, John chapter three, 
John the Baptist, they come to him and they talk to him. They say, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, speaking of Jesus, the one you testified, Luke, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what he's given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. Do you know what John's strength was? He knew who he was and you knew he wasn't. Do you know who you are or do you feel you need to impersonate someone else? That's why churches all try and copy. Churches compete while they're trying to copy the next guy. Oh, they call their church this and they do this in their church. And they, so if we copy that, we'll get success. No, 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 what God's called you to do and be you. Are you with me? Very important. Now, now John knew who he was and, and Jesus, when he saw competition like this, I want you to notice what it says in John's gospel here, because you can see how people respond to competition. John understood who he was. What did Jesus do? It says in John 4, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Look what Jesus did. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Do you know what Jesus did? He didn't engage in competition. He went and looked for new customers. And what we do is we start comparing. We want to examine their balance sheet. We want to go online and see what people are saying. No, just keep reaching. Keep building new business. Keep serving your customers. And you'll find that you, there's enough to go around. There's enough people for enough churches. There's enough customers for business. But we don't focus on people. We start competing. And then envy eats at us. We can't even have dinner because envy is eating us while we're eating. Go home, how was your day? No, don't talk about it. What happened? That Oaken, that woman. And then we use other names because we're not a church. All it boils down to is we've taken our eyes of Jesus. We put them on other things. Now we're consumed with envy. Come on now. If you get bitter, you become mentally weak and it's not God's plan for your life. Number six, are you still good? Don't think that God is unfair. Why don't you do that for me? And I know what we think. We see people who are being blessed and we say they're not even in a connect group and I've seen our husband smokes. And we get annoyed that God could dare to bless them. You see, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, God blessed who he wanted to bless. We don't have time to read it today, but Romans says, I'll bless who I'll bless and I'll curse who I'll curse. God says, I decided whatever I'll do. But in the New Testament, you know how God operates? He operates according to faith. And some people might not be as righteous as you, but they've got more faith than you. Lord, I know I'm smoking 20 a day. Shouted at someone on the road, forgive me, but I trust you, Lord. God isn't so, sorry you smoked. That cancels out faith. No, faith cancels out everything else. That's how grace works. Let me show you something here, Matthew chapter 9. This can help some of you in the room this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 28. This is Jesus. He comes across some blind people. When he had gone indoors, the blind men 
came to him. Notice they came. And he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, didn't they come, Lord? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, that's the key. Let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. It's not enough to just come to church. You have to come in faith. And when you operate in faith, some people looking around say, why are you so blessed? God's unfair. No, he's not unfair. He's looking for faith. And when faith operates, God's blessing takes place. And it's not about whether you pray enough or you fast enough. You know, a lot of churches are very critical of us. Oh, yeah, they've got all the lights and they're in Santon, and that's why they're so big. It's because they can't handle that we don't spend hours and weeks, you know, 40 days of fasting and prayer. I know I need it. But people can't understand why God blesses us. It's because we operate in faith, not works. And number seven, as we come to a close this morning, don't let your failures make you hate the successful. See, what happens is we fail, then we start to hate the successful. And then we withdraw from the successful, but the successful are the very people we need to learn from. We make ourselves victims. How many of you know what you hate, you'll never achieve in your life? Hmm? You can't learn anything from those you hate. And the Bible says this, let me paraphrase it for you. In the book of Genesis, that Isaac was in the land of the Philistines. And the Bible says he just became richer and richer and his flocks increased and his herds increased. And the man became incredibly wealthy. And then the Bible says the Philistines saw this and they envied him. Bible says it. And then it says this, and it says, and they blocked all the wells that he opened. That's what jealousy and envy will do. You attack others. Ah, I'll show you. Nighttime, go out there, fill it up with earth. <laughs> Bitter. But the Bible says this. They eventually told him to leave. Stupid thing to do. That's what envy will do. And it says, and Isaac left, and he went, and he opened all the wells that they blocked up. And the water flowed. You see, you drive them away, they'll keep being successful and you'll end up without water. Don't resent the success of others. Don't let your failures make you feel weak. Say, I'm going to learn. They've got something I haven't got. And let me tell you this, people you might think are advancing because of their gender or their race or because they're sleeping with a boss or whatever nonsense you say. No, it's their gift mix. It's timing. It's God's God's favor, it's their attitude. There's a whole lot of things that make people successful. And God left Joseph in a prison, but then he suddenly shifted him, put him in prime minister. If you just keep focused on God, he will make sure you get to where you need to be. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 